Welcome to Central Speaks, home of our weekly podcast. Central Speaks is produced by Hamilton Central Baptist Church. This week we're looking at, uh, or continuing in the series, This I Believe, and we're looking at a war, the war of the will, the war of the will from Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. And this is what it says in verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I'll ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I'll set my throne on high. I'll sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you will be brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Now, in Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah prophesies the fall of a mighty monarch in Babylon. Now, in Babylon, when you read about Babylon in scriptures, it it always symbolizes the world system that mankind has built in defiance of God. Babylon is the rebellious city of human defiance. It represents the satanic world system, complete rejection of God. When you look at Babylon in Scripture from Genesis right through to the end of Revelation, it always represents the satanic world system, complete rejection of God. The people of the day, when they built the city of of Babylon or the city of Babel, they built this tower called the Tower of Babel in complete defiance of God's edict to fill the earth and subdue it. Babel means the gate of the gods. The tower or the ziggurat that they built was said to reach the heavens, not not to dethrone God, but where they hoped that the god or the goddesses would come down and meet with them. Now, in 586-87 BC, the tribe of Judah was taken into Babylon because of their total disobedience to God. And here in this prophecy in Isaiah 14, Isaiah was probably speaking of the fall of Belshazzar. He was the last monarch of Babylon before the Persians conquered Babylon in 539 BC. We also know from uh, Gabriel's message to the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 10, uh, verses 13, if you want to look at it, and verses 20 and 21, there were demonic spiritual forces that control the kings and the rulers of world empires. And the language here in Isaiah chapter 14 that Isaiah used to describe the fall of this earthly king is indirectly symbolic of the spiritual force that energized Belshazzar, Satan himself. We see that from looking at Luke chapter 10 verse 18. In that verse, the disciples had just come back from some very successful ministry. The Lord Jesus had sent the disciples in the 70 out to do this, uh, to do ministry. And they came back and they said, Lord, even the, the demons were subject to us in your name. And the Lord Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a bolt of lightning, like a flash of lightning. Now, Satan has always hated and opposed the people of God. His ultimate desire is to usurp the worship of God, the worship that is due to God. Now, we know the end of the story today. 
We know it because we know what the Bible says and we know from reading scripture, we know that God ultimately wins. God wins and the Lord Jesus, he wins. But we also know that Satan ultimately empowers his counterfeit Messiah and the world will finally worship him right towards the end before the return of our Lord Jesus. And today he's working towards this this counterfeiting or this impersonating work of God by controlling the systems and the kingdoms of the world. Well, we see in the first place the surrender of dominion, the surrender of dominion. Until Lucifer said, I will, there was only one will in the universe and that will was the will of God. When there was one will in the universe, everything worked in perfect harmony. Everything worked in perfect unity. But when Lucifer, the devil, the deceiver, the accuser, when he said in his heart, I will, two wills came into the universe. And when two wills came in opposition to each other, there was complete anarchy and complete chaos. Wherever there is the assertion of self-will, there is chaos, there is sin. When we look at Genesis chapter 1 verses 27 through 28, we read, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. Notice that there. There's that perfect harmony, perfect unity. God created them in his own image and he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, did you notice there in that passage that God specifically said to man, have dominion, have rule. In effect, what God was saying here is he's saying, I am making you in my image and you are going to be king and queen over the whole earth. You will have dominion over all the earth. Then in Genesis chapter 3, we read of the deception of Satan through the serpent and the temptation and the fall of the human race into sin. Well, when... When did the human race actually fall into sin? It fell into sin when Adam and Eve yielded or surrendered their will to the will of Satan. That's when the human race fell into sin. When they listened to the serpent and yielded their will to him and rejected God's will and handed over the dominion, handed over the right to rule the earth as king and queen, and they handed it over to Satan. So how then can we be restored? How can an individual be restored back to God if mankind has, has yielded their will to the serpent in the Garden of Eden? We can only be restored back to God when we yield our will to the will of God. Our sins have been paid for at Calvary by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But our salvation from sin demands that we yield our will to the will of the Savior and his right to rule in our life. The issue is the issue of the will. That's the issue. That's the war of the will. 
But we see in the second place, the deceiver and his kingdom, the deceiver and his kingdom. You see, something terrible happened when Adam fell. When he yielded his his will to to Satan, sin entered the world and and death through sin and the kingdom that should have been Adam's and Eve's became Satan's kingdom. Now, when the Lord Jesus was in the wilderness, fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights, remember after he was baptized, he went, he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to fast and to pray. And Satan came to him and he tempted the Lord Jesus to yield his will to Satan. Look what it says in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Look what it says there. And the devil took him up, took the Lord Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it'll be all yours. All the authority, all the glory of all the kingdoms of the whole world would be given to the Lord Jesus if he would only bow down and worship Satan. Now, if this claim by Satan was not true, the Lord Jesus would have challenged it. The Lord Jesus would have challenged it because it wouldn't be a true it wouldn't be a true temptation if it wasn't true. The Lord Jesus would have said, "No, Satan, you can't give those kingdoms away because they're not yours to give. And you're just a liar, Satan, because that dominion was given to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But notice in Scripture, the Lord didn't challenge it. In other words, what Satan said was correct. All the kingdoms of the world had been delivered to Satan and he could give them to whom he chose. The kingdom of this world and the systems of this world is Satan's system. He controls it. He orchestrates it. It's his system, and that system is designed for yours and my destruction, for the destruction of mankind. You remember what the Lord Jesus called Satan when he was talking to the Jews in John chapter 8? You remember he called him a liar and a murderer from the beginning. This is what it says there in John chapter 8, verse 44. You are, and he's speaking to the Jews here, you are of your father the devil. That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, Lucifer the most intelligent and clever of all God's created beings has developed a system that's designed for the destruction of the human race. And that system appeals to the lusts of men. It, it appeals to the lusts of the eyes, the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life, which we know from 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, that it's not of the Father, but is of the world. In other words, this diabolical system of the of the world appeals to man's self-expression to man's self-realization this satanic plan is brilliantly crafted it's it's manipulated 
towards our destruction. Our fallen nature, that carnal nature within us, outside of the life of Christ, longs to express itself because of self-will. And until that self-will is surrendered to the sovereignty of God, mankind is under the dominion of Satan, under his kingdom, Satan's kingdom. You know, man, men and women became rebels when they came under that dominion, the dominion of Satan, a rebel at enmity with God and Satan's kingdom. And now there's not just two wills in the universe There's now seven billion of them. Everybody has a will of his or her own. And how that will is exercised and to whom you yield that will reveals to whom you belong. Now, I believe that probably the shortest definition of sin is simply to say, I will. Friends, that that, that, that is sinful. When you say, for my will, for my sake, and my plans, and my desires, I have my rights, that's sinful. Actually, that thinking is satanic. What did did Satan say? In Isaiah chapter 14, he said, I will ascend to the heavens above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. There's probably their reference that Isaiah was talking about this mountain up in Syria where they believed the gods and the goddesses all all, uh, um, accumulated there. They, they, They met there on this mountain, perhaps. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly above all of them, above those gods. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I'll make myself like the Most High. Self-exhortation. Friends, that, that, that thinking is satanic. The shortest definition of sin is simply, I will. Now, there was a great man of God back in the 1700s in Germany, a man called Count Zinzendorf. And Count Zinzendorf was a, a great leader of the, uh, of the Moravians. It was an early community of evangelical Christians who started the evangelical mission movement. In 1727, the Moravians started a round-the-clock, that's a 24 hours a day, non-stop prayer movement. And that prayer movement, believe it or not, continued for over 100 years. And within 65 years of the commencement of that prayer movement, that small group of Moravians there in Germany had sent out over 300 missionaries into world missions. Count Zinzendorf was a man of God. And he said this, My own will is hell to me. Well, your will will be held to any person who has not surrendered to God. My will, for my sake, for my satisfaction, for my glory, will be held to me unless it changes and is surrendered to God. 
And I believe it's time that we realize that the one who runs this system out there with all its sin and sordidness and sorrow and vileness and evil and helplessness and hopelessness and all its destructive wars and destruction and death is the devil. The devil runs it. He's running the system. And friends, we're to have no part in it if we belong to Christ. It's the world system that crucified the Lord of glory and we're to have absolutely no part in it. Now, we know that, that God is still sovereign in his universe. That the systems of this world is not the physical world out there. It's not the actual physical world. It's the system that undergirds it. We know that the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. We know that from Psalm 24. We know the Lord is in control of the physical world. It belongs to him. But the systems of the world is run by the devil and he has designed it to destroy you and me, destroy mankind. And all Satan wants is for you to be occupied with it, preoccupied with it, seeking after it, all the pleasures that it promises you, all the satisfaction that it promises you, all the lies that it promises, but can never ever deliver until he's got you over the line and you're lost forever and you're his. That's the deceiver and his kingdom. But we see finally the Christian and God's kingdom, the Christian and God's kingdom. So the question is then, what is a Christian? And by the name Christian, I'm, I'm not referring to people who, who call themselves Christians because they have a Christian mum and dad or, or their family went to church sometime or, or you live in a Christian-dominated country or, or because you're not a Muslim or Hindu or a Buddhist or anything else, you must be a Christian. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a biblical Christian. What is a biblical Christian? What is a person? What makes a person a Christian? A Christian is someone in whom God implants eternal life. Now, if you look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says there, a Christian is a person who has received the divine nature from God, who has escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them we might become partakers of the divine nature. And look at this, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, Perhaps a more accurate translation of that would be having escaped from the corruption that is in the world through wanting one's own way. That's why corruption is in the world, because man and woman want their own way. Jesus tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So the Christian has escaped that corruption by the rejection of his or her own desires for his own way and has had a change of heart. He now desires God's way and God's will for his or her life. 
The true Christian attitude, attitude should be, not my will, but your will be done. One of the most revealing truths of a true Christian is not what they say they believe, but whom their life proves that they obey. It's the all-important thing. Your life testifies to the reality of your decision. So the evil that comes in through the fall, through that self-centered, self-gratifying, self-oriented nature that demands its own way. And so the issue is, who's ruling my life? Whose will is ruling my life? Is it the fallen nature? Is that what's ruling your life? That self-centered, self-gratifying, self-oriented nature? Or is it God? The answer to that question reveals the one to whom I belong, either to the kingdom of light or to the kingdom of darkness. Who do I serve? Now in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter tells us this. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so you're either serving the devil's dark, diabolical world system, or you're serving the Savior in the kingdom of light. Now, Paul tells us again in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, this is what he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. But what does Paul mean? How are we supposed to walk in him? According to Paul, this is how we are to live the Christian life. As you have received Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord, that's how you are to walk. That's how you are to live the Christian life, just as you have received him. Now, it's important to realize that living the Christian life is not a list of do's and don'ts. This is what I do and this is what I don't do. The Christian living is not making a checklist and saying, well, well, I've read my Bible today and, 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 I've, and I've prayed today and, and, and I've, I've been good to my wife today and, and oh, I've, I've helped the neighbor today. And you tick off all these things and think, oh, good, I've lived the Christian life today. When we accepted Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord, we were broken by God. We, we could no longer trust in our own efforts. We could no longer trust in our own abilities or our own resources. You know, my way, my will on my terms, we couldn't trust that any longer. And so the self-centered, self-gratifying, the self-oriented nature was broken by God. And we surrendered our will to God. We submitted to God by accepting his way of salvation. And that way came through brokenness. That's how you and I are to walk. That's how we're to walk. That's how we're to walk in complete brokenness. Now, the word brokenness means to fall on a rock. And the rock there that we fall on is the rock of Christ Jesus. Brokenness was our condition at salvation. That's the only way that we could come to the Savior in brokenness. And, and that brokenness is the, the only means by which I can live the Christian life, the Christ-centered life. Because the, the, God is not requiring anything more from you after you became a believer than, than, than what he required of you to become a believer. 
When you became a believer, you became a believer through brokenness. All of your will, all of your self-centeredness, all of your trying to live your own life was broken when you came to Christ. And so, just as we cannot save ourselves out of darkness to light, we can't change ourselves. Living the Christian life is no different than how you were first saved from sin and from darkness. Our self-will was broken. And it was all of him and none of me. That's how you and I are to walk right now. As you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. We walk in brokenness, all of him and none of me. Continual surrender of our self-centered, self-gratifying, self-oriented, self-dependent nature and falling in total dependence on him. See, the the, the, the pathway of independence in Scripture is always a pathway away from God. And the pathway of total dependence is a pathway to God. Remember, we cannot live the Christian life. There's only one human being in the, in the, in the history of the world that could ever live the Christian life, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the only one who could live the Christian life. And so it's only as we totally surrender and completely submit to Christ that we can live his life and he lives his life through us. When did you repent and turn to God? When did you turn from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light? When did you surrender your brokenness to God to live for God, to serve God? That friends, is the all-important question. You see, we surrendered the dominion over to the enemy, to Satan, in the Garden of Eden. And the deceiver took that dominion and built his kingdom, the kingdom that is still going on today. And one day that kingdom will come to an end. But in the meantime, the Christian can be won back to, into God's kingdom through accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and continually, every day, falling in brokenness before God and saying, God, it is only as you live in me. It's only as you, as you empower me that I can live the Christian life. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father. Thank you that even though we lost that dominion right back there in Genesis, Lord, and Genesis chapter 3, we thank you, Lord, that through the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have you reigning and ruling in our lives, and we come to you in total brokenness today. Broken will, that broken, self-centered, self-oriented will, that nature that is broken, Lord, we come to you every day in brokenness and say, it's only as you live in us, Lord, it's only as you empower us that we can live the Christian life. So we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week online. Come join us on Sunday mornings too if you're in Hamilton. Find out more about Hamilton Central Baptist Church and discover ways to get involved at www.hamilton.com hcbc.nz Join us again next week at Central Speaks.